I feel very honored to be with you today. I'm Pastor Doug Bronner. I'm pastor at Holy Cross down in the Springs. I've been there for 19 years, some of you know that. Uh, it's good to see faces that uh, one time uh, that I uh, was privileged to pastor that are now up here, uh, here at uh, Family of Christ. Good to be with you and to be able to share God's word with you. Um, I'm also uh, in our system of doing things in the Lutheran Church. I'm a, what's called a circuit visitor. And I uh, used to be circuit counselor. Some of you from a long time back know that term maybe better. And uh, I'm kind of helping out with, with your... You have an amazing leadership team here at Family of Christ. Amazing leadership team. I know you're going through... Yes, it's a very appropriate. And uh, tough decisions they've made and, and, and things that they've done. Um, but keep lifting them up in prayers. And, uh, and I feel very honored to be just a very, very small part of, of working with them at this time. Uh, let's pray. Lord, you are so good and gracious to us. And we dig into your word now. And the word that's not always easy for us to hear, but a word that resonates with our hearts. Because it, what we see in Paul today, in his struggle, is our human struggle, is our Christian struggle, our Christian tragedy, as it were. Send forth your Holy Spirit upon us. Anoint us with that spirit that this word is more than just words entering our ears but it would penetrate deep into our hearts and that we would see you more clearly, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. At this time of year, I must suffer most. Why did I walk through the streets of fellow beings with my head turned downward and not raise them to the star that guided the wise men to a poor stable? Were there no poor homes to which that star's light could guide me? Those words might sound familiar to you. If you like Dickens, that is. That's the ghost of Jacob Marley. I made the mistake. I tried really hard to not make this mistake but I did it anyway last service. I said Bob Marley. <laughs> no, Bob Marley was not the ghost in Christmas Carol. Jacob Marley. And we hear those words and we might think that, uh, that it's just this ghost reflecting on what he could have been in life. And I don't take it that way. What I take it as is really it's my struggle in life that I have going on inside of me. It's a human struggle, but really it's more than that. It's a Christian struggle. And the struggle is this. We know what God wants us to do. Jacob Marley knew what he was supposed to do. We desire to do what God wants us to do. We have a heart for God. We've been redeemed by God. We have peace with God. We'll get to that in a moment. And yet, like Paul, we find another work inside of us. We're going to look at Romans chapter 7 today, and uh, you're doing a, a sermon series on James. At Holy Cross, we're doing one, uh, two portions of Romans, and we're going to be in Romans 7. If you've got your Bibles with you, you might want to follow along. We're going to be Romans 7, verses 14 through the end of the chapter uh, in, in chapter 7, 25, verse 25, and I'll be reading through it throughout the message today. Uh, it's going to sound familiar to some of you because it's part of Scripture. I believe that many of us... Uh, kind of resonate with in our own life 
in Christ. So let me set the stage for you in Romans to begin with. So in Romans, if you got your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Romans, kind of page through the beginning here. Uh, the, the first part of Romans from chapter 1 through chapter 5 of Romans, Paul sets forth for us that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I know you've heard that before. But that's not where he finishes. Where he goes on to say then is but we're put right with God through Jesus Christ. His death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead are the means by which you and I are put right with God. And so in Romans 5 verse 1 he says, Therefore, um, since, since, um, uh, therefore uh, since we've been put right with God or we have faith in God, I've got to go to it right now because my mind went blank for a second. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then you go in deeper into chapter 5. He's not finished then. He goes on and says in chapter 5, where sin increases, grace increased all the more. Okay? So there's a natural transition now that happens in Romans at this point with chapter 6. I'm glad he doesn't stop there. Because he asked the logical question, doesn't he? The logical question from here is, well, if grace is going to increase, if sin abounds, let's sin, let's live it up, because then more grace will happen, right? And he says, absolutely not. I mean, it's a word, uh, a phrase that he uses that means there's no way that this should ever happen. And so from chapter 6 through chapter 8 of Romans, and that's where we're going to get to part of today, He's talking about how do you and I, how do we live in this relationship we have with God? Do we do whatever we want to do? Or is there some other better way for us to live? So you get to chapter 7. And it gets a little technical here because in chapter 7 of Romans, he's talking predominantly about the law. And the law there is the Jewish law, okay? So when you think of the Jewish law, I know most of us probably think about the Ten Commandments. But we're thinking, you've got to think broader here. You've got to think about the first five books of the Bible, okay? And the law that was contained within them. And that's the law he's referring to here. And, and he says the law itself has uh, done something rather interesting in us human creatures. That where the, when the law came in, it actually increased sin because we became more aware of our sin. And not only that, we even desired sin even more, Okay? And then he goes on to say in that first part of Romans 7 that the law itself didn't cause this. You know, the law is holy, just, and good. It's sin that's brought death into the world. And so now we have a problem. We have a problem. We've got to look at it and, and that Paul also had. So we're going to look here at the first two verses of our text for today, verses 14 and 15, Romans chapter 7. Let's look at verses 14 and 15 to start off with. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do I do not do, but I hate what I do. So this is one of the few places in Paul's writings where he gets really personal with you and me. He lets us inside of what's going on in him, a struggle that he's having. In the first part of chapter 7, he used the first uh, person pronoun a, a lot, but he talked about it in the past tense. And so he kind of distanced himself from what he's talking about. Now, this is very intimate. He talks in the present tense. And something really kind of amazing happens to you and me as we read this. As we read this, we, we become engrossed into what he's saying because we understand that what Paul's doing here is he's not telling us just his story to tell us his story. You've been around people like that, right, Time, You know what it is. You usually click them off in a couple of minutes. 
But he's talking about his story because it involves you and me. And we say, that's my story too, Paul. That's who I am. And that's my struggle. So this law of God is holy. And we want to do what God's word says to us, don't we? As redeemed children of God, we're speaking here today to people who know the mercy of God in Christ Jesus. Okay? And you and I, knowing that mercy, know what it's done to our lives and how it's changed our lives, don't you want to do what God wants? I mean, we want to. We want with our whole heart to do what God wants to, us to do. And yet, what do we find happening in ourselves? We find something else that, uh, that we end up doing the things we don't want to do. And Paul would even went so far here to say the things I hate doing. But he started out by saying, I don't understand what I do. That's my story. I don't understand the things I do. So I'm in high school, right? And I'm in the cafeteria eating lunch. And we have these little Dixie cups and with fruit in them. And you know, fruit, canned fruit has a little bit of juice in it. And don't tell me why I did this, okay? I can still see it very clearly today. And this is now 50-some years later. <laughs> um, not that long. Getting there, though. Um, and I took the two cups and I stacked them on top of each other. What's juice in the bottom one, right? That's not the problem. That's what I did next. Okay? Idiot Doug took his hand and went smash down on that top cup. Okay, those of you who know science, what happens to the juice down below? Goes shooting out all over the place. The guy across the table from me wasn't looking at me. And all of a sudden, he turns around and he punches me in the mouth. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was at the extent of his reach, and he just got my front tooth. <laughs> and I said to him, what'd you laugh for? And he goes, what'd you spit on me? And I just spit on you. <laughs> Why do we do things like that? You know? Do we just lose it sometimes? Paul says, I don't understand what I do. So let me, let me take it into a different arena. Uh, I'm married, been married for 30, I'll be 39 years here in a few days. And my wife, Janice, is an amazing woman. And I, I know what scripture says to me that how I'm supposed to treat her. And I desire, I really desire to love her as Christ loves the church and to lay down my life for her. And I, and I think about that, and I, and I think about ways that I can do that for her. And I'll make a plan in my brain how I can show her Christ's love, right? And so I have a, about a 20-minute drive home, and I'll have something planned. And as soon as I get in the house, something happens. It doesn't have to be something she does. Don't, don't hear that. Just being in the environment of my home, something changes in me. And I end up doing something different than what I had planned, and sometimes it even damages our relationship. It's not what I desired. It's not what I wanted to do. I wanted to speak Christ to her, and yet I find myself doing something different. Okay, that's just one area, but I think one of, one of us, no matter what, uh, what station in life we're in, we can understand is that as these redeemed children of God, many of us want to be able to, to really uh, show God how much we love him, and we want to have this intimate relationship with God, and so we plan that this time of the day, right? We can set this time of day apart just for God. And we're going to read the scriptures, and not just read them as an academic book, but to read them as God's word to me. And then we're going to pray over that and, 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 and build this intimacy with God. And we really desire to do that, right? 
been there, I do it. I'm no different than anybody else, okay? It may start out a couple of days, but then something else happens, you know, and, and we don't do it anymore. And in fact, sometimes at the time we set apart, we end up doing something else, and we feel like they got these chains around us that we just can't shake off of us like Jacob Marley. It's our Christian tragedy. The redeemed people of God, wanting desperately to do what God wants us to do, passionately what God wants us to do. And yet we find something else at work in us. And Paul talks about his life that way. When we think of Paul, we probably don't think of him having those kind of failings. But he had struggles too. Okay, so we're at this point now where we can say, you know, Paul, I'm fine, okay? Um, I, I've, I've got it. You don't have to say any more. I'm done. You know, this, these two verses communicated to me well enough what I need to know. But he does, and he takes us a little deeper. And some of the, what we're going to hear now is pretty painful and difficult for us to understand. No, not difficult for us to understand. It's just we don't want to hear it. Let's pick up where we left off. So verse 16, and let's read through verse 23. For if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I myself who do it. Excuse me. I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For, For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, that it, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in my members, in the members of my body, waging war against the war of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. So Paul, first of all, says that the law is good. And you go, how's the law good? That makes absolutely no sense in the context of what we're talking about because it's a law that's showing me how much of an idiot I am, how much I don't do what I'm supposed to do. Well, sometimes we take this, out, this little verse out of its context. Remember, Paul is saying, I have this desire. I want and desire as a child of God, as a redeemed person. I knew my life was, and now this is my life today. And I want to do what God wants me to do. But I can't do it. You know? This is what he's saying. So the law is good in what sense? It's good in that it points out this feeling in me. And if you go back to earlier in Romans, that drives you to the cross. It drives you to the only place where we can go when we realize our failings. It takes us back to that place where we are forgiven children of God, okay? And then he says something that that we're going to really wrestle with here. In this text, he says that, I know that nothing good is in me that is in my flesh. And that's really a tough one for us. I mean, there's enough in this world to beat us up and tell us how bad we are. But remember what Paul's saying. He's desiring to do the will of God, but he finds this thing in him that he can't do it. And so he's looking at his human flesh. Not not his spirit, but his human flesh. He says, 
there's nothing good in me. And that's hard. But when you and I sit back and examine ourselves, and we examine our inability to do the things God asks us to do, and in fact, doing the very things we hate doing, we have to agree with Paul that nothing good is in us. Now, what you would say that, why would Paul say that about himself? I mean, this guy wrote most of the books in the New Testament. So go to Acts chapter 15. And in Acts chapter 15, it's an amazing story because Paul and Barnabas had just finished their first missionary journey. Now, it wasn't, they didn't travel a great distance on the first missionary journey, but they had great success along with persecution uh, in proclaiming Jesus Christ. In fact, Gentiles were coming to believe in Jesus Christ, not just Jews. And, but that caused a problem. And so there's this thing called the council in Jerusalem, the heads of the church in Jerusalem, and they're wrestling with this question just like we do today in churches, right? They're wrestling with this question. Do Gentiles have to submit to the Jewish laws and to circumcision to become a Christian? And they hassled over this. And they wrestled with it. Finally saying, no, they don't have to. A great victory in the church, okay? Right after this event, Paul and Barnabas are ready to go out on a second missionary journey but there's a problem. Barnabas wants to take along this guy by the name of John Mark, a young guy. And some of you know the story. But if you go back to the first missionary journey, John Mark was with them, and then he got out of there because he got homesick. Barnabas wanted to give him a second chance. Paul said, no way. You know, we're not bringing him along. It could have gone so This disagreement between Barnabas and Paul could have gone so far that they just fought over it. Understand now why Paul can say what he says about himself here in Romans 7? And so we get to this point point. we say, so it's useless, right? Where's my hope in all this? Let's look at the next two verses, well, verse and a half. Picking up at verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul understands the condition, and he just blurts it out. Thanks be to God. You know, I can't save myself from this condition. You can't save me from my stupidity. You can, we can't save ourselves, but it is Christ. Thanks be to God through Christ. You and I have been clothed with Christ. You see, we need to move to the next chapter. You understand that when the Bible was written, when Paul wrote this letter originally, there weren't chapters and verses, and so the next few verses are meant to go along with what he's just said. So chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, let's look at those. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. You have been clothed with Christ. You are free. The chains have been taken off of you. Does that mean the struggle is going to go on? Sure, it's going to go on. But you are a redeemed child of God. There is no condemnation for you. In the middle of the struggle, when you are not doing the things you want to do, and you're doing the things you hate doing, even in the midst of that, you are a child of God that cannot be taken away from you. You are his. No condemnation. 
And that is significant for you and me. It's really significant. Because we don't have to worry anymore. Yeah, we're engaged in a struggle. We're going to engage it until the day we die. It's a reality of our life here this side of the grave. Okay? But you are not condemned in the struggle. In fact, because you're not condemned, it sets you free to struggle, to recognize it, to deal with it, knowing you're not going to be condemned for it, okay? That's freedom. And Christ has set you free. Amen.